right, welcome into another episode of the Idea Collision. I'm Andrew Green. I'm your host for this podcast. I'm also the um, evangelist, uh, preacher uh, of the Waukesha Church of Christ here in Waukesha, Wisconsin. I am a support facilitator, a grief support facilitator for Healing Hearts, an organization. I'll get to why that's important uh, for the purpose of this podcast in just a second. Uh, I've described this before, but we are an organization that um, kind of assists people in dealing with various types of losses. And uh, we're going through different types of, in this podcast, we were kind of going through a section of, of um, podcasts that have to do with emotional things that are being uh, experienced by different generations. Um, and what I do, uh, I'm not a professional you know, uh, therapist or anything like that, and most of us, in fact, aren't. Uh, what I do is I present some material that's been culled from different sources, people who are professional, but um, but use that mostly not to tell people what to do, not to give advice, but to generate conversation. And then what happens in these groups where you know we, we group kind of people dealing with similar things, a lot of times they just help each other. Uh, there's this idea that we have to be... Um, uh, we can only listen to experts. People who have a college degree in a particular area are the only sources of value on a particular topic when really uh, we all have the, the human experience is for people of different backgrounds to share their experiences and observations and to help one another. That's the, the point of the human experiment uh, or one of the points of the human experiment. And um, so so what I what I do is, is just kind of generate conversation and I, I kind of sit back and, and let people help each other and 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 uh, maybe I might offer some of my observations uh, because mine are valid as well. And um, when we look at, um, we've talked about human value and the importance. Um, that, that it's not just experts that are important or valuable in our society. It, um, but our value comes from, last week we talked about how our value comes from who we are made to be. We talked about the importance in, in difference of between self-esteem and self-worth and um, along with this idea we've talked again again about um, the um, the significance of an impact of one generation upon another now when we do this we have to be careful that we don't put everybody into one you know one specific category because even even within one generation there are so many people that are different I'll give you an example of this um, because we can all be wrong. And I've, I've seen generalizations that I believe are drastically wrong. And, and my observations are, you know, kind of confirm this to myself anyway. Not that they're 100% wrong, but, but they're at least, you know, in, in presenting a, a generation like Gen X or Gen Z or millennials or whatever, as a certain thing, this they they are like this. You're gonna be wrong. Uh, so so a few years ago, uh, it, it, people started following the consultants on this. Um, and what the consultants say is, well, millennials and Gen Z are like this. Uh, they are very into social um, causes. That is a true statement from my observation, but not all of them. And uh, additionally, they say, listen. They're only they are exclusively they're monolithically into these particular things and these particular viewpoints, 
And so if you are going to have a successful product or a successful business, you have to have an organization that represents these this list of four or five values. Otherwise, they're not you're, you're going to go out of business. Uh, well, what I've seen is that not only is that true, or, or not only is that not true, but the opposite's also not true. That that companies who uh, have repeatedly followed this advice and presented a particular uh, identity to millennials have done worse um, in in terms of their bottom line. Uh, a few years ago, it was the sports leagues that I think jumped onto this uh, in a visible way, um, really out front with it. And immediately, immediately suffered. Now, we were given all sorts of reasons why their advertising was down and why their viewership was down and all these other things were down. But but I'm sorry. It was because of their agendas that, they're, uh, that, that they were pushing that not everyone in their audience cared for. Now, a lot of people did, so they didn't go out of business. But a lot of people didn't. In other words, generations aren't monolithic. More recently, Disney has done the same thing. Um, a lot of people who follow Disney love their their message and and love the messages that they you know the political messages or social messages or whatever. But not everybody does. Uh, Hershey's is I think starting to feel that um, more recently. And Anheuser Busch. Now I'm not a drinker, uh, and uh, for other reasons. But uh, but for those that are, are they're noticing now a, a cause that they stood for. They're starting to lose their. Uh, you know their bottom line based on something that they were trying to push because why because they listened to people who have a particular agenda and would like to summarize two generations exclusively as being something when it's simply not the case so we we want to be careful when we say millennials or gen z is like this or whatever uh we have to be careful because not everybody in these generations is exactly the same they are different uh there might be some trends um, but but people are people. Um, now, we've talked about the, in, in talking about generations, we've talked about the impact that one generation has on another, and, and significant, uh, specifically with reference to family dysfunction. Uh, last week, we talked about the importance of self-esteem and value and, and worth and all these things, what really where we want to get uh, our value from, the idea that we want to be understanding who we are uh, to understand our value that we are made by God we're made by a creator and that's where our intrinsic value comes from it's why we're all equal uh, but we want to look at a different component of value this week uh, and and that has to do with not just my existence but my my specific not just what makes me uh, you know, a human, that's the same as everybody, but what makes me me individually? That's also important because I was made to be an individual. Uh, Jeremiah was a called to be a preacher. He was a, a preacher or prophet uh, about 600 years before Christ. And um, God says, I, I want you to be a preacher. Okay. He was a young guy, and he wrestled with some self-doubt based on kind of some of his personal identity. And God addresses this. He says in Jeremiah 1.5, he said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That's an interesting statement. Because, I mean, there's a number of truths in this in this statement. 
but God, first of all, saw who he was in the womb and before. Uh, so, so he wasn't, um, you know, a lump of, you know, uh, potential humanity at the time. He was, uh, in God's mind, an existing human. Uh, he had a character, and that's that's an important part of this. Is that um, this? He says, "I knew you." Well. To know about somebody and to know somebody, those are two different things. You know, I can know you like the color red, and I can know you don't like chocolate ice cream. Those aren't you. I don't know you by knowing those facts. I know things about you. But knowing a person has to do with knowing their character uh, and knowing their tendency. Those are things we know, knowing their thoughts, knowing their values. Um, Those are what we know. What we know, when, when we say we know somebody, we're talking about, things that really have to do with their soul, uh, the most core part of them that we've talked about. In other words, Jeremiah had a designed character. He had a character, in, in term, as far as God saw it, he had an individuality, he had a humanity before he was ever born. That's important. David writes the same thing. He says, he says you formed my my." You know, you you form my inward parts. You fashioned me together in my mother's womb. In other words, David was a human, and and he had all these components as he's being made. He was made to be a certain way. Uh, And and so I was intentionally made. I was not an accident. And and I think that's something that people need to hear. You were not an accident. You were not a mistake. Um. And so tapping into these truths is going to elevate genuine feelings of worth beyond beyond just, okay, you were made and you have human DNA and that makes you more valuable than, say, a monkey or, uh, you know, or uh, a dog or you're a human. Okay, that's wonderful. But beyond that, I'm individually unique uh, and I have a designed character. And, and and that's what I was made to be. So uh, I, I just want to go through very quickly and point out a couple of counterfeit sources that people have for trying to develop self-worth. When, when people are missing some of this um, genuine source, when, uh, when they're absent this idea, because absent this idea is what you get when you when you say, well, we didn't come from God. Uh, you don't have intrinsic character. You're just a mistake. You're just, uh, you know, you're just a, a, a divine, or you're just a cosmic mistake. There's no divine source for you. Um, well, um, then there's going to be other places that people look for importance. And these are going to be surprising Um a lot of things that people look to for importance that I could I could just go on and on and on. One of them, it, it, these were, are easy ones. I'm going to talk about easy ones. And you're going to say, have I lost my mind? Yeah. But that's fine. Fear is a place that people look for in importance. And you say, what? How can, how can fear be a source of worth to people? And I want to explain this. Uh, and I don't have any other explanation for why people do some of the things involved with fear other than to say that they look to it for um, a, a, a means of self-importance. Uh, according to a poll, 70% of Gen Z 
again, this is a poll, so, you know, not, and it's 70%. So even within the poll, people aren't monolithic. Uh, but they are afraid that they won't have a job. Now, I know a lot of employers. Uh, and so something doesn't make sense to me because I know employers that can't find help. In fact, I know they'll, they'll have somebody, they'll have a job, uh, the, someone will get hired, and they won't show up. Well, how can you be, you know, so concerned about employment if you're not even showing up for a job or or if my 16-year-old daughter walked in, you know, a couple of months ago into a Texas Roadhouse Grill. She had an application. She filled out an application. Now, this would have never happened when I was a kid. Walked in with an application as a 16-year-old, 10 minutes later walked out with a job. There was almost no interview. There was no second interview. There was no calling of sources, or, or, and I, know, I realize it's it's a it's a it's a restaurant job, but even then, even when I was a kid, people checked your references. People check. They don't care now. Why? They need help. They need bodies. So so how can someone say well? Uh, and you can say well that's Texas Roadhouse Grill. It's just a restaurant. Well, seventy percent of people, seventy percent of people aren't going to college. How can you how can you be so? concerned about employment when nothing statistically shows that you should be concerned for a job in 2023. Well, it's, I think, I mean, I remember 1990. 1990 was, in, in my life, it's been the hardest time to get a, get a job, find a job. Uh, that was a bad job market. 2023 is not a bad job market. But fear, this is the only explanation I have. I could be wrong. Fear is fun for Gen Z and maybe the later millennials. It is an identity, right? They're all about horror movies. They love to be scared. Uh, and, and so I, I think maybe, I don't know, the, the reason may be just because they haven't had enough thrills in life that they need something to generate this. You know, they've been sequestered in in, in basements playing video games, um, and, and they need real thrill in life. And one of the thrills is fear. I'll give you an example of this. My grandfather told me a story. Uh, and, and I just I went on Google Earth to look at it. Uh, and it's crazy what he did. Him and his buddy. This is Now, this is you know in the 30s. So we're talking about when, when people had a real opportunity for fear. Uh, here's a kid, you know, probably 10, 11, 12. And, uh, you know, when, when people could have been scared legitimate fear of the Great Depression and not having stuff, you know, obviously without without all the social media and stuff, you know, he was a kid. He was just a normal kid. So him and his buddy went up in, in, in Elmira, New York, on the northwest side. There's a, a place called Harris Hill. Uh, and uh, it's actually a place uh, on the on the north side of that is, is one of the major uh, hang gliding places in the world. And, uh, and so... Uh, he was coming back down into uh, uh, Elmira, him and his buddy, on, on a bike. They had bikes. Now, remember, this is the 30s, so bike's not what we have today. And uh, they decided that they were not going to hit their brakes. Uh, so a picture of this. Um, and uh, so so you can see there's there's a – it's a two-mile-long stretch. And, and I've, been, I've come down this many times. There's a little amusement park up at the top there and, and a golf course and stuff like that. And when you come back down into town – it is straight drop. Now it's long and it's not super steep, but it is straight. There's no uphills anywhere in that. It's just a long straight or almost completely straight road 
steadily declining, and it, and it, it starts. And he said they they were going to go down with no brakes all the way down. Now now there's like a six way intersection, and I realized in the 30s traffic not what it is today, but still there's traffic at the bottom. And uh, and so they they're going down, and it's you know it drops like 200 feet, uh, 250 feet in elevation from the top, but it's steady. There's no uphills to slow you down. So they were, he says, we were cooking pretty fast by the time we got to the bottom, him and his buddy. And um, and their brakes weren't, you know, the high-quality brakes that we have and stuff like that. And he says they wore down their brakes completely by the time they, because they were coming down and they realized we're going to go into this intersection. And it's not a neat intersection. There's like It's like little offset roads. So they would have crashed into some stuff uh, had they, uh, had they, pursued this this course and so at some point you know i don't know how close they were to the intersection before they realized we better do some brakes well by the time they got stopped their brakes were metal on metal uh they they wore they wore any rubber or whatever off of the their brake pads or whatever they had i don't even know what brakes looked like in the 30s on a bike but it was completely gone he said we it, we were going so fast that by the you couldn't turn, which is a good thing because it was a, a it was a straight road. You know, he's like our uh, our rims were glowing red. Uh, that's how crazy it was. In fact, um, he said to to get them cooled down. He said we had to take them over and we had to urinate on our rims to cool them down. He's like it was steam everywhere. Uh, that's a thrill. Uh, now I I just say that say, like like here's a kid in the middle of the Great Depression and and they're doing things they're they're living life and and they're having experiences and I I never did anything that crazy I've done you know some nutty things but but kids aren't having these experiences because they're not really engaged in life uh, and, and so they're having to pursue other ways to, to scare themselves. You know, back then people did things and enjoyed things and, you know, maybe not enjoyed, you know, if, if you got hurt. But um, people did things that naturally gave those emotional highs and lows that became a part of life, but they don't have that. And so they, they need things to scare themselves with. So they do it through social media or they do it through movies or they do it through whatever. And they now because they're so, you know, into politics, and because they can't help it, it's 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 thrown at them. I don't think that they want it. I just think it's thrown at adults. Throw this stuff at them, thinking, you know, here's a ten year old kid. He needs to hear about global warming or whatever. And so the, these these kids are scared of life. They're they're, they're told that that uh, that that life is going to destroy them at any moment in time. They have all this fear, and so it becomes an identity. Um, and, uh, and so, so many people derive their identity from fear. We're, I mean, we're afraid of the weather. We're afraid. Listen, when I was a kid, we had hot summers. We have hot summers now. When I was a kid, we had cold winters. We have cold winters. Now, the universe and the earth not really changing. I'm sorry. That's my observation. You're not going to change my observation. Uh, the other source that people have is, um, wanting to feel significant through the means of being a victim. Again, this is easy. Fear and victimization are easy. There's so many other sources that people have for identity. But, um, you know, uh, 
in the absence of real significance, social media has filled in the gaps. And it's become a tool, right? Now, some people are actual victims. But the easiest way in social media now is to show that you're a victim some way. Right. There's a Christian version of this, by the way, if you're watching this and, and, uh, and, and you say, well, that's not me. Um, watch, watch people in, in churches and, and watch how many times people are offended by acts. Well, I'm offended at this. I can't believe you would do this thing, this religious thing or whatever. Uh, people love to get offended in church. And that's the Christian version of finding some sort of value, intrinsic value, uh, by being a victim, right? Um, what's actually happening in these situations, whether religious or secular? Well, I'm getting value by manipulating you because I, if I can show that in a Christian sense I'm offended by something, well, I need you to act a certain way to make me not feel offended. Um, if I'm a victim, I need I need approval, and I need people to say, "Oh, I, I need people to tiptoe around me. I need people to act a certain way. Uh, look at me, I'm significant." Um, and and this feeling, these these feelings of significance, are how we derive value. Uh, I have impacted life on this planet. How? Because I walked into a store and I showed them how awful I was. I was upset and things like this. It's like it's like I actually have mass in in a a psychological way or an emotional way. I have like this mass because I'm moving people. I'm I'm interacting. People are forced to move around me, so I I have this greater mass because they were forced to to adapt and react to to my offense and to my victimization uh, so I can prove that I am legitimate, that I have, I have worth, I have value, because I have moved you. Uh, you know, oh, so, so here's a clip. I'm, on, I'm a, on my social media. Here's a little clip of me being offended, right? And, and here's a, you know, you've, you've victimized me. And then, and then, of course, that's not enough. So, so then there's another group of people. Oh, look, here's a video clip of me being offended by this person being offended. You know, oh, this person is a Karen or whatever. It's funny. I've, I've known a bunch of Karens, and all of them were nice. Um, so anyway, that's a, a separate thing. But, but here's a, a video of a Karen. Oh, look at me. I'm so offended by this Karen who's being offended by. Right? And, and we do this over and over and over. This is what society is becoming because people don't have people haven't invested in life and in these experiences to to get real worth and so it's all about fear it's all about victimization and it's 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 easy it's an easy way to feel value by trying to manipulate other people and feeling that you're doing something and accomplishing something uh and so now the the one truth is in the younger generations is that they have these I, I don't know what you call them, but these quick turnaround media platforms where the older ones, you know, if you wait, go way back and people are going to go, wow, you're old. Uh, uh, what was it? MySpace it was the first one, and that was really uh, cumbersome. And then, and, then, and then Facebook kind of took over from there. Uh, but now they have, those are old. Uh, Facebook is cumbersome for younger generation. It's all about TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat, right? And th these various ones that that capitalize on really instantaneous uh, in Twitter, really capitalize on the instantaneous nature of, look look at me, look how offended I am. Uh, and then they become cesspools, really, for this stuff. Um, and 
you know, what does this have to do with um, value and, and finding value? And, and I guess what we talked about my talents, my, my individual character. Well, see, it takes no talent to find value this way, right? It takes no talent to be afraid. It, it takes no talent to be offended. You just have to be offended. It takes no talent to become a victim of something and, and to show that you're a victim. It, it, it's, it's easy, but it takes it takes work to to derive value through developing your character and through doing something. Uh, it it takes accomplishing something. I mean, I say, well, how much value did your or how much effort did your uh, your grandpa have to do to to do that and get that life experience? Well, he had at least had to ride his bike two miles up a hill. I don't know if you've ever done that. That's not easy, you know. Uh, so he at least had to do that. That's more effort than it takes to go, oh, look at me, look how offended I am. Um, so I, I want to leave you with something, uh, as I always do, it's something positive. I know some of these are negative, but I, I want you to try to leave yourself for, for, you know, for a bit. When, when we're interacting in society, try to leave yourself. Try to, try to uh, not in a weird sense, but to accomplish something that doesn't uh, feed into uh, your personal gratification, to uh, accomplish something, to to find something of real substance that will leave you, not just you, but but leave people around you improved. Um, Helping other people moves you. Um, I, I was at a fundraiser last night for um, for Healing Hearts, and one of the persons uh, that spoke at the fundraiser was someone that's been in the program for a long time, and, and she just shared a lot of, you know, the condition that they were in, and when they started, you know, years ago, uh, six years ago, I think, and where they were at today. Well, and, and most of the help that they've gotten that that's all volunteer whether it, it and whether it's people who are facilitators like myself or whether it's it's from from the help that they've gotten from developing relationships with other people those are people who have left themselves and given to others and I'll, I'll guarantee you i i know the woman personally and um i know she's developed other people she's she's involved herself with other people and so other people can look at her and say well that person did something meaningful for me um and these build memories uh, and when we build memories with other people we are going to yield positive emotions right this all goes into emotional health but we we, we need to look at the positive side of things and not that we're never afraid of things and not that we're never actually a victim of something but i want uh to, to leave you with that idea that that you know, you don't have to go searching for. It. There's there's times where you will be a victim, but but don't create it. Uh, don't don't live in fear. Um, go outside and enjoy life. You know, it's a sunny day. Okay, guess what? There's there's going to be more sunny, hot days, and then there's going to be some some cold days, and and uh, the earth is going to continue. Uh, life is going to continue, and uh, and you don't have to be constantly afraid of everything. Uh, but in those moments that we do have to live, um, live deliberately. That would be my advice. And so um, to, to live deliberately and enjoy life as you have it.
and begin today.